بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء المرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته The Hawamim are a group of seven surahs that all begin with the same disjointed letters Hamim Surah Ghafir Surah Fussilat Surah Ashura Surah Al-Zukhruf Surah Al-Dukhan, Surah Al-Jathiyah, and Surah Al-Ahqaf. Ibn Abbas an said, Everything has an essence, and the essence of the Qur'an is the family of Hawamim Surahs. One of the great scholars of the past said, They used to be called the Brides. Abdullah ibn Umar said, The parable of the Qur'an is that of a man who sets out to find a place for his family to stay. And he comes to a place where there is evidence of rainfall. While he is walking about it, admiring it, he suddenly comes upon beautiful gardens. He says, I like the first traces of rainfall, but this is far better. It was said to him, the first place is like the Quran, and these beautiful gardens are like the splendor of the family of Hamim in relation to the rest of the Qur'an. So there are seven very special surahs of the Qur'an. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud said, When I reach the family of Hamim surahs, it is like reaching a beautiful garden. So I take my time. Now the Hawamim surahs have some distinct characteristics in common. They of course all begin with Hamim. And they all mention the greatness of the Qur'an, as is common to all the surahs or virtually all the surahs that start with the huruf al-muqatta'ah, the disjointed letters. They are all Meccan surahs. They all mention Musa and Bani Israel. And they all emphasize the transfer of the message from Bani Israel to the Ummah of the Prophet Muhammad They all encourage unity and warn against division. And they all encourage granting forgiveness and allowing people more time. Surah Ghafir. Surah Ghafir is also known as Surah Mu'min. And this comes from verse 28 where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions a man who stood up to Pharaoh. When Pharaoh was enraged that Musa alayhi salam had defeated his sorcerers at the great festival and he confirmed a meeting of his close allies and his inner court and he had decided that he will now slaughter the sons of Bani Israel once again. He had instituted this when Musa salam was born, but now he wants to rejuvenate this rule, this genocide. And he also wants to go as far as killing Musa salam. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about a man who stood up to Pharaoh in his own court. وَقَالَ رَجُلٌ مُؤْمِنٌ مِّنْ آلِ فِرْعَوْنَ يَكْتُمُ إِيمَانَهُ أَتَقْتُلُونَ رَجُلًا أَنْ يَقُولَ رَبِّيَ اللَّهُ وَقَدْ جَاءَكُمْ بِالْبَيِّنَاتِ مِنْ رَبِّكُمْ وَإِنْ يَكُوْ كَذِبًا فَعَلَيْهِ كَذِبُهُ وَإِنْ يَكُوْ صَادِقًا وَإِنْ يَكُوْ صَادِقًا يُصِبْكُمْ بَعْضُ الَّذِي يَعِدُكُمْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَهْدِي مَنْ هُوَ مُصْرِفٌ كَذَّابٌ This man is described with three qualities. And a believing man from the family of Pharaoh who concealed his faith. He has three qualities. He is a believing man. He is from the family of Pharaoh. And according to some scholars of tafsir, he was, from, he was actually a cousin of Pharaoh. And thirdly, he concealed his faith. He did not let on that he was a Muslim and a follower of the Prophet Musa And he says to Pharaoh, 
Do you kill a man merely because he says my Lord is Allah while he has brought you clear proofs from your Lord? And if he, sh if he should be lying, then upon him is the consequence of his lie. But if he should be truthful, there will strike you some of what he promises. Indeed, Allah does not guide one who is a transgressor and a liar. He is an exemplary da'i, caller to Islam. He uses sound, rational arguments with Pharaoh. And that's very important in da'wah. He says to Pharaoh, if Musa is telling the truth, what he promises in terms of punishments will strike you. But if he's lying, you can leave him alone because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself will take care of him. It's interesting how before this verse, the actual threat that Pharaoh makes to kill Musa, it's worth looking at. وَقَالَ فِرْعَوْنُ ذَرُونِ يَقْتُلْ مُوسَى وَلْيَدْعُ رَبَّهِ إِنِّي أَخَافُ أَنْ يُبَدِّلَ دِينَكُمْ أَوْ أَنْ يُظْهِرَ فِي الْعَرْضِ الْفَسَادِ And Pharaoh said, let me kill Musa and let him call upon his Lord. Indeed, I fear that he will change your religion or that he will cause corruption in the land. Nobody accused or nobody could be accused of causing more corruption in the land than Pharaoh. He enslaves an entire nation. He has an entire system of privileges. He institutes genocide. He enforces the state religion of worshipping the living God himself. And the irony is, he accuses Musa of spreading corruption. That's what people in power do. Ignore the corruption they're causing and anybody who stands up to them, accuse them of being mischief makers. He also accuses him of changing people's religion, which by and large is true. But let's not forget that the original religion, the original deen of fitrah, natural disposition to all human beings is the deen of Islam. He uses compelling rational arguments and he speaks to his people with sincerity. As they say, what comes from the heart goes to the heart. Oh my people, sovereignty is yours today, dominant in the land. But who could protect us from the punishment of Allah if it came to us? Pharaoh said, I do not show you except what I see, and I do not guide except to the way of right conduct. It's so interesting. This man, he has sincerity. When he talks about kingdom, he says, yours is the kingdom today, speaking to the whole court and to the Pharaoh. Why? Because a person might interpret that he's only standing up to Pharaoh because he wants to be the Pharaoh. He wants to be the leader of Egypt. This is a claim to the throne. But by saying to you lot, belongs the kingdom he's making clear he's got no interest in the throne but when it comes to the punishment of Allah he shows humility and he says the punishment might come upon us he's emphasizing I'm not exempt I'm not better the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta could strike me and you Pharaoh is clearly now on the back foot the man then continues to speak about the nations of the past about the nations of Ad and Thamud he reminds them of the nations of Nuh. He reminds them of their own recent history and Yusuf and blames them that were hoping no prophet would come after Yusuf It's important to speak to people on a level they understand. They know about Yusuf. That's part of their history and their culture. He uses gradation in his process responses. As Pharaoh intensifies his ridicules, then the man intensifies his response. When Pharaoh claims uh, or demands that a tower be built so he can go up to the skies and look upon the God of Moses, he responds, 
وقال الذي آمن يا قوم اتبعوني أهديكم سبيل الرشاد And he who believes said, Oh my people, follow me. I will guide you to the way of right conduct. He is now using the very words that Pharaoh used. Pharaoh claimed, I'm the one who guides you to the straight path. This man shows confidence. He says, No, I'm the one who will show you the right path. Also in his dialogue, he uses glad tidings as well as fear. It's not just about scaring people. He calls them to paradise. He's genuine and sincere and shows concern for his people. And he puts his trust completely in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. At the end of the dialogue, he says, فَسَتَذْكُرُونَ مَا أَقُولُ لَكُمْ وَأُفَوِّذُ أَمْرِي إِلَى اللَّهِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ بَصِيرٌ بِالْعِبَادِ One of the proofs, and you remember me, what, uh, and you remember what I say to you, and I entrust my affair to Allah. Indeed, Allah is seeing of his servants. One of the proofs that Islam is the truth, is that the callers to Islam have such complete trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Armies don't make them shift from their values. Tyrannical leaders don't make them shift from their values. This level of trust and confidence in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a proof in and of itself. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that he did save this man. Surah Fussilat. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins the book, uh, begins the surah. Hamim tanzilun min ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. كتاب فصلت آياته قرآنا عربيا لقوم يعلمون حاميم A revelation from Allah the most gracious the most merciful A book whereof the verses are explained in detail A Quran in Arabic for people who know This theme is again repeated in verse 44 of the eloquent Quran in the Arabic language Arabic language is the most eloquent, plain, deep and expressive language in expressing meanings that might arise in a person's head. The Arabic language has the most expansive range of vocabulary that allows the greatest precision in describing meanings. The language follows mathematical formulas. Hence, if you know the root word and the general formula for what a past, present, future tense would look like, you can generate words yourself. You can generate forms yourself. So it's the most efficient language when it comes to learning a language. And it's also not a language that's constantly changing. It's preserved by the Qur'an and the ancient Arabic poetry. Ibn Kathir mentions in his explanation to Surah Yusuf, the beginning, therefore the most honorable book which was revealed in the most honorable language to the most honorable prophet and messenger delivered by the most honorable angel in the most honorable land on earth and its revelation started during the most honorable month of the year, Ramadan. Therefore, the Qur'an is perfect in every respect. Also in this surah, we have the golden principle of responding to evil with good. The Prophet ﷺ would win over many of his enemies by his fine character and responding to their persecution, persecution with good manners and conduct. In verse 34, Allah Taala says, وَلَا تَسْتَوِ وَلَا السَّيِّئَةِ the good deed and the evil deed cannot be equal. Repel that which is evil. Uh, repel the evil with one which is better. Then verily he between whom you and there was enmity will become as though he was a close friend. Respond to evil with good. Respond to harshness with kindness. Respond to meanness with generosity, and the person you are interacting with will become as if they are a close friend of yours. 
The verse also tells us something very reassuring. In verse 53, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, سَنُرِيهِمْ آيَاتِنَا فِي الْأَثَاقِ وَفِي أَنفُسِهِمْ حَتَّى يَتَبَيَّنَ لَهُمْ أَنَّهُ الْحَقِّ أَوَلَمْ يَكْفِي بِرَبِّكَ أَنَّهُ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ شَهِيدٍ We will show them our signs in the horizons and within themselves until it becomes clear to them that this is the truth. But is it not sufficient concerning your Lord that He is over all things a witness? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will send signs to every human beings until it becomes convincing for them in their deepest inner feelings and their heart that Islam is the truth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not unjust to anybody. Ibn Ashur includes in this verse the rapid expansion of the Islamic State during the time of the Prophet and the Khulafa al-Rashidun as an example of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala showing his signs in the furthest horizons. Surah Ashura. Surah Ashura is a unique surah in that it is a Makki surah that assumes many of the characteristics of Madani surahs. It's a late Makki surah which is preparing the Muslim community for governing themselves. To successfully govern yourselves, the Muslim community would need two, two key ingredients. One of them is of course wahi, revelation. Revelation is the source of guidance and the source of legislation. Wahi is emphasized throughout the surah, at the beginning of the surah, at the middle of the surah, and at the end of the surah. In verse 3, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, كَذَلِكَ يُوحِي إِلَيْكَ وَإِلَى الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِكَ اللَّهُ الْعَزِيزُ الْحَكِيمُ Likewise, Allah, the Almighty, the Almighty, sends revelation down to you. Then in verse 7, وَكَذَلِكَ أَوْحَيْنَا إِلَيْكَ قُرْآنًا عَرَبِيًّا لِتُنْذِرَ أُمَّ الْقُرَى وَمَنْ حَوْلَهَا وَتُنْذِرَ يَوْمَ الْجَمْعِ لَا رَيْبَ فِيهِ فَرِيقٌ فِي الْجَنَّةِ وَفَرِيقٌ فِي السَّعِيرِ And thus we have revealed to you a Qur'an in Arabic that you may warn the mother of the towns and all around it and warn on the day of assembling of which there is no doubt when a party will be in paradise and a party in the blazing fire. Also in verse 10, وَمَا, وَمَا, وَمَا اخْتَلَفْتُمْ فِيهِ مِنْ شَيْءٍ فَحُكْمُهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ and in whatsoever you differ, the decision thereof is with Allah. Such is Allah my Lord in whom I place my trust and to him I turn. And you can continue verse 13, verse 21, verse 51, verse 52, all emphasizing wahi, revelation, judging by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and, and uh, legislation by the law of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, by the sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the first key ingredient of governing yourselves in this new country, this model Islamic state of Medina, will be revelation and wahi, and that being your primary source of guidance and legislation. What's the second most important ingredient? Or the clues in the name of the surah. Surah Ashura. Shura means consultation. Resolving your disputes and ensuring your community has ownership over decision making the primary mechanism for that is consultation. In verse 38, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions And those who answer the call of their Lord and perform salah and who conduct their affairs by mutual consultation and who spend of what we have bestowed on them. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions salah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions zakah. But in between, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned shura, consultation. 
Subhanallah, if we looked at our Islamic organizations, our masajid, our charities, you wouldn't automatically get the impression that this is a religion which is based on shura consultation. Shura doesn't mean indecisiveness on the part of the leader. The shura comes at the end of a long process of tarbiyah and development. So, uh, so when you make consultation, when you make shura, you're dealing with a group of honest, God-fearing people who will give sincere advice. As a result, the correct course of action will automatically rise to the top and everybody feels they have participated in the decision-making process. Ultimately, the leader is not bound by the shura process. Sometimes the Prophet ﷺ gave up his own view in preference of the shura opinion, his consultation view from his companions. And sometimes the Prophet ﷺ ignored the shura view and chose his own course of action. A good example of these two is, for example, uh, in the Battle of Uhud, the Prophet ﷺ wanted to stay in Medina, but he made consultation and a number of the companions, especially the young uh, boisterous companions wanted to go out and fight and the Prophet ﷺ chose their view above his own view. Now the Prophet ﷺ is protected by revelation. If anybody could afford to dismiss other people's ideas, it's the Prophet ﷺ. But he chose to listen to other people's ideas, even sometimes at the cost of harm to himself. At the Battle of Uhud, it was clear that in retrospect, the best decision was to stay in Medina. But in other occasions, the Prophet ﷺ ignored the consultation process, heard their views, but chose his own course of action, such as the Treaty of Hudaybiyah, where he signed an agreement which was difficult to swallow for a number of companions, especially Umar ibn al-Khattab. But a good leader would not consistently ignore the shura. Then it becomes uh, pointless. So shura does not lead to indecisiveness, quite the opposite. It, it leads to firm resolve and the correct course of action rising to the top. Hada wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.